Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. What's better? than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast i'm joe marino and oh shit oh dear what is better than this it's guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast i am one of your co-hosts for the day kyle Krabs, and thank you so much for tuning in we have a great show lined up for you guys we're going to be taking a break from Pimping Out the Draft Network. We're going to be taking a break from our My Ultimate Team series, and we're going to talk a little 2019 film study with one of our Draft Network LLC uh, partners in crime, Mr. Brad Kelly. Joe Marino is off today. So if you were counting on Joe keeping me in check, I have bad news for you. This is not going to happen. And, uh, Brad and I know each other pretty well, but I'm fairly confident Brad won't heat check me on my own show. So, Brad, welcome to the draft, dudes. How you doing, brother? Thank you. I'm I'm excellent. I'm definitely excited to be on. Uh, we'll see if I if I heat check you. We've, we were discussing pre-show, and you were, you decided that you were going to have some live reactions out of me. So I'm excited to see where this where this goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this. I was sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic on 95 on my way home this afternoon. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday night and uh, had uh, some news come across my timeline that just broke my heart, first of all. Uh, The Tennessee Volunteers are scrapping the checkered style of the orange on their side of their pant legs and the helmet stripe. But what really ground my gears, Brad, and something that I I need your opinion on as a fellow former player, they're going back to their colors are orange and white. And no matter what their tops are, they are wearing white bottoms. And they've decided they're going to flip back and wear black cleats with white and orange, which I think is just dog shit. Looks terrible, in my opinion. 
Are you a fan of black cleats? Are you a fan of white cleats? Do you appreciate both? I'm, a, I'm personally a prescriber if you got to look good to play good, so I need to know what your stance is on looking good before we kick things off today, talking wide receivers for 2019. Well, I would definitely say if you're wearing white pants, you have to wear white cleats. Thank you. Okay. If you're wearing black pants and you can go black socks and black cleats, that makes sense if you're like an all-black team, kind of like what Georgia does sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if there's any white incorporated in New Jersey, you got to have white cleats. Okay, so... White, white gloves. So the ones that really tick me off is like Penn State, for example, right? Because their jerseys are navy blue. And then they wear navy blue, white pants, and black cleats. And I, just, I don't know... Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what the... Alabama. Sign them up for black cleats across the board. Uh... You know, just, what, you know what's weird about Alabama is their gray short sleeves under their red jersey. Yes. I yeah. don't like that. It's um, – because gray's nowhere else. No. Like literally nowhere is the, is the face mask isn't gray, is it? I don't think so. I mean even if it is, it's such a minute compliment. It's not an accent on the jersey. I'm very much – and Joe disagrees with me because we, we had drafted all 32 NFL – kits, if you will, uniform combos uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. We have very different tastes. Uh, I'm a very aesthetically, I have to match, right? Like, so if I'm wearing black cleats, I cannot wear white socks. I think that, I mean, I look like a 50-year-old at the Y wearing (laughs) black black cleats and white socks. Am I right? Yeah. Same with white socks and uh, white cleats, black socks, black cleats, white socks. Yes. Neither, neither of one. Yep. Of them. You, you got to match it. Your hand gear has to match your foot gear. Yep. So okay, this is we're gonna have a great show. I got a good feeling about this. <laughs> one more axe to grind. The guys that wear like the shoulder harnesses, the shoulder braces, the ones that kind of attach around the upper arm and come out through the pads and whatnot. Yeah. Don't wear black if your team wears blue. Wear gray, wear white, wear anything else. I don't care. But if you're wearing it's that black and blue thing, just does not work for me at all. I have two OCD for that. I don't know. Do they make them in other colors? They need to. If they don't, they're <laughs> they're missing the opportunity of a lifetime here to just we, take, take aesthetics we, to a new level. We got to talk to our friends at Nike. We might have just made a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. Nike, Under Armour. We got to holler at those folks and let them know what's up. So. I feel a lot better getting this off, Brad. Uh, we're going to talk 2019 wide receiver prospects. You and I have watched a number of guys in common thus far. And uh, I, I don't know if people are familiar, Brad. Why don't you tell everybody what you did for this past draft class as far as some of the content that you put out specific to the wide receiver position? I think it would give some good context to some of the takes that you're going to bring on today's show. Well, uh, first things first, I played football since I was seven. Uh, I played seven years of Pop Warner, four years of high school, four years of college. Um, and I started to play wide receiver while I was in high school. Uh, and then as soon as I was done playing in college, I started to coach them at the high school level. So I've been coaching the last two years, and I've obviously been you know, scouting, doing everything uh, in, to that nature the last couple of years as well. Uh, formally started writing uh, about the NFL draft this past draft cycle. Uh, you know, went down to Mobile to scout the receivers at the senior ball. That's actually where we met um, and kind of went from there and decided to make a wide receiver only draft guide uh, that featured uh, my grading scale, 
uh, explanations of my grading scale, the traits I look for, there are picture examples, there's an article attached, and then there were scouting reports, obviously, of, it was like 40 receivers, there was a, a best of the rest series, there was a small school uh, target series of uh, guys coming from lower levels that could be invited to NFL training camps, and I think maybe all but one did, um, and then there were rankings, and there were tiered rankings. There were rankings for X receivers, Z receivers, slot receivers, overall rankings. So it was like it was pretty extensive, uh, but that was kind of the basis of what of the big the big project I did this past draft cycle. Yeah, and uh, I need to pat you on the back, sir, because you stood true to your film takes and your process, uh, despite an unorthodox ranking. Right, Dante Pettis was your wide receiver one, and Pettis ended up being what was he a top fifty selection? Yeah, he was taken in the 40s. Yeah, so uh, San Francisco, I think it's an interesting fit. Before we get into some of these 2019 prospects, can you talk to me a little bit about how you feel that fit for Dante Pettis and Kyle Shanahan's offense, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the other receivers that they have there in San Francisco? What are some of your thoughts there? Because I, I personally think that the multiplicity that they have with having guys that have similar skill sets is going to make them very difficult because they're going to just be able to plug and play guys and move them all around. Right. I love the fit. Uh, I'm a huge Jimmy Garoppolo fan. Uh, I am a Patriots fan. I'm one of those evil people in the world. Uh, so I've always loved Jimmy Garoppolo since he came out. Uh, so I'm a big fan of him. And, and Kyle Shanahan, in my mind, is one of the best offensive minds in the world. Um, he's up there with you know, Belichick and McVay and all of them. So I, I like that he's in that offense. I like that he has a great quarterback and then, Speaking on personnel, I think that separators, like wide receivers who can separate better, more so than maybe a big-bodied guy who's a contested catch winner, fits his offense more. If you look at like Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, those are the guys who had success uh, last season, and especially with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and, and have and I think Pettis, during uh, minicamp, he was the number one backup at three, three different wide receiver positions. So he's really looking like he's going to be the fourth option, which I think would be good for him. And then obviously he'll be a returner as well. Uh, being an elite punt return prospect, yeah. so I think it'll be good because he'll get a lot of uh, he'll get a lot of looks. He'll be the guy if one guy has a hamstring tweak or anything like that, if they get hurt for a significant amount of time, he'll be the guy to step in. But even if that doesn't happen, he'll still get uh, a good amount of playing time as like the number four receiving option. Yep, and uh, with the NFL becoming more and more wide open, you're going to get more and more of those deeper three, four wide receiver sets. Expect to see a lot of Dante Pettis in 2018. NFL season, which I believe the Hall of Fame game to kick off the NFL preseason is like three weeks away. So, you know, we're getting there, folks. And we have some film takes to hold you over. Uh, as we've kind of talked about, Brad is a really talented eye for wide receivers. And uh, I, I've had the chance to watch some of the same guys that he has. And, Brad, a guy that you talked about uh, not too long ago, only a couple days ago, was a guy I did my own personal film assessment on uh, late last week before I ended up going on vacation. That's Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. And uh, yes. you had some nice takes here, and I, I fully agree with you. So I'm going to give you the floor and kind of introduce Stanley Morgan, the wide receiver from Nebraska, to the Draft Dudes listeners and kind of fill them in on some of the strengths and weaknesses that you saw and what uh, what your initial impressions are as we get ready to go into his final season at Nebraska. Yeah, I like Stanley Morgan. I like what I saw out of him. Uh, he's entering, like you said, his senior season. He's about 6'1". He's a little under 200 pounds. Um, we'll, we'll see if he actually is close to that. I think he's kind of close to maybe in the 180s or low 190s. 
Um, he was pretty productive last season. He was close to 1,000 yards. He just missed it by, I think, like 20 yards, something like that, and he had 10 touchdowns. Uh, but what I liked about him is so far from what I've seen in the class, he's probably the most nuanced route runner, um, whether that be a vertical set that he's he's really attack, be able to attack leverage. And he has extremely loose hips, which, in my opinion, is one of the most important uh, aspects of playing receiver, uh, especially when it comes to route running. Um, I think he has active hands. Uh, I think when he's running his route, he's always kind of wiping hands away, uh, not getting, getting contacted by defensive backs. And he's able to track, uh, especially going deep, and, and use body control and ball skills to, to be able to win over, over the top and high point the ball despite not being the largest receiver on the field. Yeah, he's one of these interesting guys that I think he plays bigger than his size vertically and his ability to kind of track the football and create that late separation as he's looking at that ball over his shoulder. Uh, definitely agree that he had a great touchdown against Penn State that comes to mind as far as uh, a play that he made over the shoulder little deeper down the field. Uh, another game that I had the chance to watch was the Oregon game from this past year, and he had some really nice reps as that game went on with run after the catch as well. So I think he's interesting because, he's, as you said, he's super polished. But this is a guy that can also go vertical on you. He's a guy that you know can shrug off some, some contact and, and proceed to slip the first arriving tackler and turn up field, and he looks like he's got a really nice open field second gear. So... This is a guy, you know, with Scott Frost coming in, uh, they're going to have a young quarterback there. A lot of signs point to a freshman quarterback. The production might lie on a guy like Stanley Morgan, but for me personally, I thought he was the best wide receiver that I've studied looking through the entire Big Ten because he checks boxes. He just does not have production because of the infrastructure around him on the offense. Now, so you think he's the best wide receiver in the Big Ten, so how does he compare it to Jawan Johnson? Juwan Johnson's interesting. He's a, he's kind of in that same boat where Juwan Johnson, uh, I think his traits were better than his production. Uh, Juwan, I think, was the third leading receiver on the team. He had over 700 receiving yards, but only one touchdown. That was a big touchdown. It was the game winner against Iowa. Uh, Juwan is primed for a massive leap this year because yes. – Everybody else is gone from the receiving core. Mike Kosecki, Saquon Barkley, Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, so, so it is going to be the Jawan Johnson show. And with a guy like uh, Trace McSorley there who is willing to just throw it up and let you go get it, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to be a contested catch receiver. Uh, Jawan's a little bit more of a physical freak. I don't think he's as dynamic is what Stanley Morgan is. Uh, I don't think he's as sudden at the top of his route stems on those harder angled route breaks. Uh, And and I want to see him use his physicality and the fact that he is such a big guy to his advantage a little bit more now that he's going to have to be a little bit more of a volume receiver. So, uh, Brad, did you get a chance to check him out, or are you just kind of baiting me here with this question? No, I, I have been able to check out Juwan Johnson. So uh, kind of piggybacking off what you said uh, about him being a physical freak is he's listed at 6'3", and last season he was listed at 226, and now on the Penn State roster he's listed at 231. Ooh. So 6'3", 231, this is a big guy. Uh, and, and like you said, he has the athleticism. Uh, he, he has the ability, but what I love about him is his hands and how he just plucks everything uh, all over his frame. Yeah. Um, like no matter where the ball placement is, he's really able to to snatch the ball out of the air. Uh, you know, uh, 
like reach away from his chest plate, whether it's low, it's high, whatever the case may be, he's always extending towards that catch point, uh, which I which I love. And I think that like what you alluded to, his, him only having one touchdown, that needs to improve. If you're 6'3", 230, and, and you have the body control to, to win deep and win and high point balls, that needs to show up. That needs, there needs to be red zone production. And like you said, with McSorley throwing up YOLO balls every every play, he should have opportunities to show that. Uh, but I think that, like you said, he's he's primed for a, a huge, huge season. Yeah, and, and you know, to to kind of summarize that general exchange between those two players, I think Stanley Morgan, most impressive tape from 2017, most polished and, and checks the most boxes entering this year. But that's not to say if Juwan Johnson does not come out and have a monster season that I might not end up preferring Juwan Johnson because of the physical upside that he brings that a guy like Stanley Morgan doesn't quite have. Now, for your... Right, and I think that's something... I was just going to say, so with your personal film traits that you look for, how how does that kind of outlook on those two receivers mirror the way that you evaluated players when you did your 2018 work? If they were coming out this year, I think, like you said, I would have Stanley Morgan higher uh, because he is more polished. When it comes to scouting players in the summertime before they have another season to play, I try to focus mostly on the positives because those negatives could go away, um, you know, throughout the season, throughout when they, they develop in their next season. And I think that Jawan Johnson has more positives to build off of, kind of stemming from the fact that he is such a big physical guy and he has the probably, probably has better hands, more strength. Um, so I would say right now he's going to be ranked higher, but that's also – not looking into his negatives much throughout the season. If those negatives continue to flash, if he doesn't produce in the red zone or something like that, then I'm probably going to lean towards Morgan when draft time comes. There you go. I'm right there with you. So, Brad, another uh, big name throughout this wide receiver class is uh, Ole Miss wide receiver A.J. Brown. And I would love to get your thoughts here because you reached out to me and was like, dude, watch him and you need to tell me what you think. So, again, being the host here, I'm going to take advantage of my seniority and allow you <laughs> to expose your opinions first, and then we'll see because I, I did check him out after you said something, and I do have some thoughts here. A.J. Brown is my top receiver so far, um, and that I'm not going to say that lightly because there's competition on his own team, in my opinion, for the top receiver in the class. But he's a guy who – he reminds me of a ton of Anquan Bolden in his traits, Yo, but his, nice. his role is almost strictly in the slot. So it's kind of, it's kind of might be a, a weird projection going to the next level because his traits suggest he should be on the outside and he has this dominant outside receiving body, 6'1", 225, with broad shoulders. And he's a versatile athlete because he's also a minor league baseball player. Uh, but he's just the guy who, he probably has the most strength uh, in his upper body and, and with his body control and how he attacks the ball in the air, I would say better than anybody else um, in the class at this point. And then, like I said, with his broad shoulders and his big frame. But what I really like about him is he's also extremely elusive. He has good balance. Um, he can he can break tackles. He, I mean, there was a play, I think they were playing South Alabama, and he, he comes back to the ball through two guys, breaks both of their tackles, then runs for like a 40-yard touchdown. Like That's not something that 225-pounders generally will do. Uh, so I think that he, he's also a guy who's super productive at 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns last season, uh, and he's only going to be a true junior. So he, I think he has 
he has number one receiver potential. Yeah, he, he's got the profile of an alpha. And as you said, one of the things that I, I took away was like, wow, all these big plays are coming from the slots, right? He's running either these, the, these clean releases from the slot. And um, I, I think it was the South Alabama game, that same game that you had just mentioned. He gave this nasty little head fake on the sideline. And he he ended up breaking a tackle right along the sideline. So the body control for a guy that's listed at 6'1", 225 is really impressive. And uh, I, I have been trying to force myself into embracing the prospect of player comparisons, knowing that no player comparison is ever going to be one-to-one. But hearing your Anquan Bolden comparison that you just threw out there as far as kind of role and usage and strengths and weaknesses of player and the physicality after the cat. Like, yeah, I can totally see that. Uh, The big question that I had with A.J. Brown, and the one thing that has me somewhat apprehensive, is the two biggest games that Ole Miss played last year were his worst games. Mm -hmm. He torched a bunch of teams, but against a really strong defensive secondary in Alabama, he had one for six, and a really strong defensive secondary in LSU, he had four for 39. He's blowing up against Louisiana, Tennessee Martin, South Alabama. He did put up 100 yards on 10 catches against Auburn, but his yards per catch was only 10.9. He had a lot of production and a lot of explosive play against some other competition. So with a little bit of a different focus than what Jawan Johnson were, Jawan Johnson, you're just waiting for the breakout. With A.J. Brown, I need to see the consistency now and really sell me on that you can beat anybody that's lined up across from you. Because until he does that, I am going to have questions about, okay, what's that usage like in the slot, and how is that allowing him to excel, and how does that impact his valuation as a player? So it's a great opportunity with, as you said, some other talent in the wide receiver group there at Ole Miss uh, to come in, now draft eligible as a true junior, and – put your best foot forward and and perform against all comers, not failing to to make the impact plays that really flash on tape, that it's impossible to ignore you when you're watching those guys against the Alabamas of the world and the LSUs of the world. I think that's fair. Um, And obviously, you know, you would like to see him produce against Alabama because players on his own team, despite them not putting up a lot of points, did produce against Alabama. Right. Uh, DeMarcus Lodge had a huge catch. I think he, he skied over Anthony Averitt. Um, so it's like, you know, the guys on your own team are able to do it. You should be able to as well. As well. So we'll see. I mean, like you said, luckily he has another season and he's in the SEC, so he's going to have he's going to see a ton of good defensive backs. Um, so that would be interesting to see if he's able to up his production against tougher competition. So, Brad, I'm, I'm going to take the horn on this one because I have a soft spot in my heart for the West Virginia Mountaineers. And uh, David Sills is a guy that both of us have had the chance to watch. And David Sills is a former highly regarded quarterback recruit that has switched to wide receiver and uh, exploded in offensive production last year. He did not – I don't believe he eclipsed 1,000 yards, but he had like 16 or 17 touchdown catches on the year last year. And there was some conversation about, you know, is he and Will Greer going to come out? And they both opted to stay. And Sills is being talked about in the conversations, potentially being one of the best wide receiver pro prospects in the country, to which I say, Poonani, you guys are full of it. David Sills caught a lot 
of run after catches and a lot of really soft explosive plays due to bad play at the catch point, bad safety play that opened up just a ton of space in the secondary that he's not going to be afforded inside, you know, the, the red zone going forward. And West Virginia runs this wide open offense that allows them to stress the secondary with their spacing. And David Sills, you have to tip your cap to him because he was big. He played really big, but he didn't have the polish, in my opinion, as far as his route running skills to suggest that he was a top prospect. So if you're going to put him in that air, it's a total projection, and you're making a lot of assumptions that he's going to grow a whole lot as a player entering this next season as with him being a wide receiver versus what he was despite the dominating production that he had last year. Well, I'm glad that you just said that and you were the first one to say it because I was going to say a lot of what you just mentioned. And I didn't want to be the one to break that to the listeners and maybe break some of their hearts. But I think that you hit the nail right on the head. He's a guy who he's built a little upright. He's only about 200 pounds. Uh, and he's 6'3". And I feel like it's all in the upper body. He has kind of like, He's kind of thin low, Dude, on the lower body. He, he's built like Mike Gusecki was as a tight end. Where just you can right. tell he's super top heavy and super lean from the waist down. And a lot of like what you said is is true as far as even as, as far down to winning inside in the red zone. I think that there was a couple of plays against Texas Tech where just like what are these defensive backs doing? And I don't think that it was the traits that David Sills was was showing as much as it was the deficiencies that the defensive backs were showing. Um, some positives about him is I think he has active feet. I think he has quick feet. And that does allow him to release inside sometimes and, and win some plays in the red zone and, and get those touchdowns. But I don't think that's going to translate as well because when that leverage is taken away against a bigger, longer player, uh, defensive back NFL, not a not a Big 12 one, um, then it's going to change. But I, what another positive I like about him is I think he finds voids well. I think he settles in zones well. I think he finds that, that open area, and that probably stems from his quarterback background. But I don't think that he has the – necessary athleticism to to be a dominating presence uh though i do think that he will be draftable i just think he's more of a mid-round guy than a than a first round or second round type of guy sure and i'm happy to take the heat here because as i said you know west virginia is you know one of my favorite programs to to go scout in the country you know they've got a top-notch athletic program there they've been extremely accommodating for me and uh, they were the first school to, to offer me a, a credential to come visit the campus so uh even with that in mind, I read the the analysis on David Sills and the, the ranking of him above some of the guys that even we've talked about already. And, and Sills is a guy that, for me, would, would be, not even be close to in the same air as far as his caliber of a pro prospect. Uh, a guy that's going to have to win with technique. He's going to have to win with IQ. Uh, as you said, his background at quarterback could lend itself quite, quite um, handily there in that ability to find vacancies and sit down and make himself available. Brad, I want to talk about one more guy today out of the guys that we've mutually watched, and that's Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo came out like hellfire and brimstone to start the year in 2017. (laughs) He was a monster before he unfortunately got injured and and cost him a good bit of his season. Uh, Something 
something of a gadget player in some usages, but I, I think that there's a really strong foundational skill set here as a wide receiver. Brad, I'm going to let you kind of tee up on Debo, and we'll go from there. Uh, so I loved watching Debo. Uh, to, so the, for those of you who don't know, to start off the season last year, he returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. To start the second game of the season, he returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And to start the third game of the season, he had a 69-yard touchdown on the first offensive player of the game. Um, in his career, he has 17 rushes, and seven of them have gone for touchdowns. <laughs> last, year, <laughs> last year, he had six touchdowns in three games, and he had 15 catches and 250 yards. So I think that he's a, he's a guy, like you said, he might be a little gadgety, but I think that his, you know, he's obviously a dynamic playmaker. Uh, he's electric with the ball in his hands. He has very, very seamless breaks. I don't think he's wasting any movement when he runs his routes. And I think he has really violent hand usage, and he uses his hands and upper body well, and it, that allows him to accelerate out of breaks. And almost reminds me of Anthony, Mil- Anthony Miller in the way that he runs routes. Um, and he's built at six foot two ten. You know, he has a good thickness to him, almost kind of like DJ Moore was this past year. So I, I like Debo as a, as, a, as a prospect, and I think that he's a playmaker. You just get him the ball and let him work. Yeah, he's he is an exciting player, no doubt. Listed six foot two fifteen. Uh, another player that could feasibly be primed for like a really big year if he's f- able to finally put it all together. Uh, he's played in each of the last three seasons and only managed to play in eighteen games. So that's the concern with Debo Samuel. Is okay? Can can we get a full season from him? And can we see that this guy, what he's really all about? because the flashes are exciting and he's explosive as an athlete. Uh, and as you said, you know, that there, there's a strength component here as far as his ability to knock you off of, of your platform, trying to disrupt his route release and disrupt him as he's working up the field, which gives you a really exciting appeal of, okay, you've got an explosive athlete who's really creative with the ball in his hands, who has good vision in the open field, and he can create that separation either at the line of scrimmage early on on the quick-hitting stuff, or as he's pressing vertically up the field, he can get you off of his body and create separation. So this is a guy that doesn't rely on the gadgety plays where you get him the quick touch and the, and the smoke throw and, and the, the jet motion where you give him the touch pass coming across the quarterback's face to get those big plays. He has some of that nuanced stuff that suggests this is his skill set that can translate very cleanly because he wins out in space before he has the ball just as well as he wins with the ball in his hands early on. I love that evaluation of him because, and like you said, it's not just a lot of quick screens like maybe what you saw to David Sills and his route tree. It's more of an expanded route tree uh, for Debo and that whole offense, really, Edwards and the Tooth the two Smith uh, kids. Shai Smith and Orre Trey Smith. And I think that this year, especially, and this is a huge year for Jake Bentley too, because he's looking to, to go pro. Uh, and he's a big, he's a guy who's built well. He's a built looking NFL quarterback. And if he wants to take that next step, he's probably going to have to rely on Debo f- for a full season of, of Sam rule and probably 60 to 70 t- uh, catches. So we'll, so I think that if, if he's able to remain healthy, that he's going to have a big year. He's going to get the necessary amount of targets. And I think he's, you know, he's going to see the end zone. 10, maybe even 15 times. Yeah, this this is an exciting year for wide receivers because there's a lot of names that we didn't talk about, Brad. You know, a guy like Metcalf, who we kind of alluded to, and Texas has Colin Johnson. I believe you're a big fan of Denzel Mims from Baylor. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, Kelvin Harmon from NC State, he might be my top-rated wide receiver coming into the year. Just, Just a terrific blend of skills and another size guy. 
So uh, it, it's an exciting year to be digging into some wide receiver tape for sure. Brad, any parting thoughts before we let the people out of here on draft dudes? Uh, I would say that definitely this this wide receiver class team big wide receiver is back. Oh yeah. If you are a fan of them, then this is this last year. I don't necessarily think was the best year for them. I think Sutton uh, and guys like that nature. Even there's a bunch of mid round guys, but none of them stood out. Whereas I think this year, it's these are the standouts. These are, you know, A.J. Brown, I know he's only 6'1", but Metcalf, 6'4", like you said, Colin Johnson, Brian Edwards, Denzel Mims, um, Joan Johnson. I think that this year is is T.J. Vasher at Texas Tech. It could be another one. I think that this is the year of oh, Nikeel Harry. I'm just naming them. I'm just spitting out names now. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Nikeel Harry, yeah. Yeah. They're all, there's a bunch of big wide receivers, and, and depending on who stays and who comes out, I think this could be a huge class for, for that type of receiver. And I do, like you said, we alluded to DK Metcalf a little bit. I would like to say that if there's a receiver, in my opinion, that has the highest potential, it probably is Metcalf because uh, I think that he is a, he's 6'4", 225, and he runs faster than Lodge, and he runs faster than Brown, and he's just a guy who has like a size-speed combo that reminds me of like Josh Gordon when he was at Baylor. Um, so I think that his potential is probably the highest, and we re- didn't even really get to talk about him. And my rebuttal to that is simply giggity. Let's go. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for carving some time out of your day to listen to the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, I am Kyle Krabs uh, with Brad Kelly of the Draft Network. Brad, do me a favor, tell everyone where they can follow your stuff on Twitter. At Brad Kelly17 uh, is my Twitter page. Uh, obviously, you can follow uh, my future work for the Draft Network. My past work was for Cover One at Cover underscore One underscore and Cover One dot net. Um, and I have some wide receiver. Uh, previews uh, on that page. I looked at Alabama, I looked at Ole Miss, I looked at South Carolina on uh, all all their players, the wide receiver groups. You want to check that out uh, as well. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, Cover one's Eric Turner is a, a former contributor to NET, and he's a, he's a good guy who who hustles his ass off. So. Uh, tip of the cap to him for for their continued success and swing over to cover one and check out Brad's kind of wide receiver encapsulations for some of the uh, programs across the country as we get ready for the 2018 college football season. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Brad Kelly. We will be back with the My Ultimate series continuing on Draft Dudes this weekend. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow along. Do not miss it. We're getting close to the end of the My Ultimate series. And when we do, Joe doesn't know this. Joke's on him. I'm going to have us pick our favorite My Ultimate teams, and we're going to simulate a game on Madden and find out who wins. And I'm really hoping I come out on top because the bragging rights there would be just a whole new level of insufferable for myself to jail. So make sure you don't miss that. Hit that subscribe button. Kyle Krabs, Brad Kelly, signing off Draft Dudes Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. What does your morning sound like? Goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.